What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the life of Naomi and Ruth Lord, we thank you for documenting for us the path that you took them down so that we could see your goodness. Help us, Lord, today as we study to see more of the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. Okay, if you turn to that book that uh, was in your Bible yesterday, but maybe you can't find it today, <laughs> Ruth, and to verse uh, chapter 1, verse 15, Ruth 1, 15, we... Um, Continue in, in, our, in our study there. And uh, Ruth 1 and verse 15. And she said, this is now uh, Naomi speaking. And she said, Behold, thy sister-in-law is gone back unto her people and unto her gods. Return thou after thy sister-in-law. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be, or already is, my people and thy God, my God. Where thou diest, I will I die, and there will I be buried. And God do so to me, and more also, if aught but death part thee and me. When she saw that she was steadfastly minded to go with her, then she left speaking unto her. And so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. And it came to pass when they were come to Bethlehem that all the city was moved about them. And they said, is this Naomi? And she said unto them, call me not Naomi, call me Mara. For the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord hath brought me home, empty, uh, home again empty. And why then call you me Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Almighty hath afflicted me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her sister, her daughter-in-law, with her, which returned out of the country of Moab, and they came to Bethlehem in the beginning of Harvey bar, barley, barley harvest. 
Now, it's been some time since we've studied the book of Ruth, and so since we've really looked into this book, and in our last study, you remember that we focused particularly on verse 21, where it says, where she said, I went out full, and the Lord hath brought me home again empty, and so why call me then Naomi, seeing the Lord hath testified against me, and the Lord and the Lord is a, the Almighty has afflicted me. Now, remember, Naomi and her husband and their two sons, they had... They had forsaken. They left the, the people of God. They, lo- they left God's land, Israel. They left the Jewish people. And we saw from verse 1 that they left because of a terrible famine that had taken place. They left Israel, and they tried to just blend in with, uh, with the people of Moab. I like that. They, just, they tried to just blend in. It reminds me when, um, of John Van Duzer, my right-hand man at work, and and really good friend from South Dakota. And, and so he was recently over in, in our company compound in Ethiopia, in, in, in Budajira. And, and, and there, there's, and John and I are, uh, we, we occupy the same amount of space. And, um, <laughs> and it's quite different from the people in Budajira where there's not one ounce of fat on any of them. And there's not only, and there's no white person in Budajir either. And so when, when I was in Budajir, I've had Ethiopian kids come up to me and just stare at me and then touch my belly, you know. Is that real? I never saw a white person, much less that size. Anyone before? Now, Budajir is a 95% conservative Muslim community. And um, anything we do, we have to get permission from the Muslim elders. But that's not nothing to worry about. It's very safe. That's why we have a nine-foot solid concrete wall about a half a mile long, two types of barbed wires around it, four guard Guard, guard towers of the corners and an AK-47 machine gun. Apart from that, it's very safe. And so <laughs> at this particular time, when John was over there, the, uh, our purchaser, Steve, back here in the States, he was searching on the U.S. State Department website, and he had he found that they had just issued a terrorist alert for Ethiopia and asked all Americans not to be seen in public. And so, so immediately he sent this notice over to John at 4 p.m. our time, which was 2 a.m. in the morning, John's time. And, and so there's John, and he's in one of our guest rooms there in our compound in Ethiopia, and he's reading this terrorist alert from the State Department that all Americans should not be seen, you know, in, in Ethiopia. And, and as John's reading this, you can imagine his eyes are getting bigger and bigger, and he's concerned, and it's 2 a.m. in the morning, and John's in the middle of the, of the, the conservative Muslim community. He's three hours from the airport, and he's wondering what he's going to do. And so at the bottom of the email, Steve writes in there his advice. And his advice is three words. And he said, just blend in. <laughs> that was his advice. Just blend in. <laughs> now, those three words that, that Steve wrote to John, emailed to John, just blend in. That explains the first part of our chapter here. Because these three words are very important for us to remember. Just blend in. Because these are the three words that we have. It really, it's a, it's, a, it's, it's a restatement at the end of verse 2 where it says they went to Moab and they continued there. What does that mean? That means that they just tried to blend in. Like John in Ethiopia. They, 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 they really couldn't just blend in in Moab. But when it says they came into the country in verse 2 and they continued there, they not only came into the country of Moab, they continued there, so they continued there meant they just were trying to just blend in. 
They tried to assimilate with the Moabites. Naomi's husband tried to just blend in. But the tragedy struck in verse 3 as Naomi's husband died, and then, then there was just Naomi and her two sons. And then in verse 4, it tells us that the sons tried to just blend in and assimilate because they, they went ahead and married two Moabitess women there, and one named Orpah and the other named Ruth. And then verse 5 tells us that the, that the attempt of these two sons to just blend in. It also ended in tragedy and as, as they died. So verse 5, when we came to verse 5, in Ruth we saw this grand, grand failure of a Jewish family to just blend in with the Moabites. And, so it, it, and, and it always will end that way. It always goes that way in a failure. For a believer, a believer cannot just, just blend in. Moses was in Egypt, and he came to crossroads in his, in his life there. Great decision, great question was in front of Moses. And the question is, Moses, are you going to just blend in with the Egyptians or, or not? Well, you're going to decide to not just blend in, Moses. And we see this, this crossroads. We see the decision that he made in Hebrews 11, 24 through 27, where it says, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. He endured as seeing him that is invisible. See, there's a word, there are words in these verses that are absolutely shout to us the decision that Moses made not to just blend in. When it says that Moses refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, that was a pivotal point in Pharaoh's life, and he made that point, he made that decision, I will not just blend in. It would have been so easy for Moses to just blend in. All he had to do, just Moses, accept the title already of you are the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What's the harm to that? All he had to do was forget about the people of God, just blend in. But Hebrews 11.25 tells us Moses, he could have enjoyed the pleasures of sin for a season, Sin is full of pleasures for a season. Sin says, play now, pay later. God says the way, in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. To play now is to, in, in sin is to face death, eternal death, later. For the believer to just play now in sin and just blend in, just blend in. How? By not telling everyone at work that I'm a worshiper and a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. Just blend in, don't make waves. Just blend in to do what the other, your other lost friends do. Just do it. Never say there's anything wrong with what they do. Just blend in. Drink that liquor. Just blend in with the group. Laugh at those dirty jokes. Just blend in. Just blend in. Never try to get friends saved. That's offensive. That will destroy your friendship. Just blend in. It would have been so easy for Moses to just blend in. When anyone introduced Moses, oh, here's Moses, here's Moses, he's the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't say anything, Moses, just blend in. But Moses replied, no, I'm not. I'm a Hebrew. I'm one of those slaves out there. I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't you call me the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm, I'm the son of Amram and Jochebed, the Hebrew slaves. That's what it means when it says in Hebrews 11:25, by faith, Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He said, don't you call me that. 
And it means that anyone who called Moses the son of Pharaoh's daughter, quick as a flash, Moses would snap back and say, no, I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I'm the son of a Hebrew slave. And just as Moses protested, it's the same way with Christians. When they're called, they're called and say, is there a difference between you and the lost? Quick as a flash, the Christian says, I'm not one of the lost. I'm not of this world. I'm a Christian. You can do what you want. I live for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Moses said, you can take all your treasures of Egypt. I'm going to forsake them. You can, you, I'm going to choose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God. The people of God live differently from the people of the world. The people of God suffer affliction that the people of the world don't suffer. That's a wonderful phrase, the people of God. That phrase, it appears three times in the New Testament, the people of God. 1 Peter 2.10, where it says, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God. A people uh, which were, had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And then in our verse in Hebrews eleven twenty five, choosing rather to suffer affliction than with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. In Hebrews 4, 9, there remaineth therefore a rest uh, to the people of God. So, you know, since, since my wife has, has been sick, she's been getting some beautiful bouquets. As a matter of fact, David Hall, last Sunday, he preached on the bouquet of these, these women who, who in, in the Bible on, on Mother's Day there. Anyways, my wife's getting these beautiful bouquets. Well, she can't be exposed to flowers, so what happens? I enjoy them. <laughs> well, you know, and I look at all the flowers and everything. It's very nice, you know? So, and, and I take pictures of them and show it to her, but anyway. So, these three verses that we've just covered here in 1 Peter 2.10, Hebrews 11.25, Hebrews 4.9, they create a beautiful bouquet of, of flowers, a bouquet. We call this bouquet the, the bouquet of the people of God. The first flower in the bouquet is 1 Peter 2.10. That flower tells us the people of God were not born the people of God. They became the people of God by obtaining the mercy that God offered them through the Lord Jesus Christ. And the second beautiful flower in that bouquet is the Hebrews 11.25. That flower tells us the people of God suffer a special affliction because they are the people of God and because they refuse to blend in. They refuse to just blend in. They associate themselves with Jehovah Jesus, who's despised and rejected of this world. And the third flower in this beautiful bouquet, the Hebrews 4.9 flower, tells us that God has prepared a special rest a unique rest for the people of God. But there's one thing that the people of God do not do. They do not try to just blend in. They don't do that. That's what this family did here in Ruth 1. It was a grand failure. And verse 5 tells us the failure uh, that they had to just blend in. Because there in verse 5, we left Naomi and the loss of her husband and her two sons. They left Naomi all alone. And in verse 6, Naomi knew that it was wrong to just blend in with the, with the Moabite people. So she decided to go back and rejoin herself with the people of God. And then we saw in verses 7 through 13 that Naomi's two daughter-in-laws, they had said they'd return with her to the people of God. And, and, and so what we have is the Jewish mother in, in the height of arguing, which you don't want to be a part of. And that's verses 7 through 13. And in verse 14, she's able to persuade or dissuade Orpah, but Naomi is not, a, Naomi is not able to dissuade Ruth. And then in verse 15, she tries one last time to dissuade Ruth, and, and this time 
she, 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 she tries to just blend in argument, and she says, you need to go back. You need to go back. Just blend in again with your people and with your gods. And when Naomi challenged Ruth with this last challenge to just go back, just blend in again with your people and your gods, that's when Ruth steps up to the plate and makes this beautiful testimony. Declaration, verses 16 and 17. So her personal 1 Peter 2.10 declaration. It's her 1 Peter 2.10 testimony that she's taking her stand, and she says, look, for me, in time past, I was not a people, but now I'm the people of God. I'm part of the people of God. I had not returned, obtained mercy, but now I've obtained mercy. So verse 16 is where Ruth is saying, thy people are my people, and thy God, my God. And she's saying, I'm now a part of the people of God. So verses 16 through 17 is Ruth's declaration that she's not going back to just blend in with the Moabite people. Even if there's a famine in the land, even if there's affliction in the land of Israel, Ruth says, I'll suffer affliction with the people of God. And, 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 and I won't enjoy those sins, those pleasures of sin in Moab anymore. So in verse 18, Naomi believes her. Naomi gives up because she knew that, you know, that, that her forehead was stronger. You know. Ruth's forehead was stronger than Naomi, so there's no sense to beat on that anymore. So in verse 19, we, we saw how they came, they, they both came into Bethlehem. See, in verse 19, so they both, so they too went until they came to Bethlehem. Now, looking at verse 18, where it says that Naomi could see that Ruth was steadfastly minded, and there was no sense in verse 19 where to argue anymore. So it says they both went until they came to Bethlehem. We can imagine as they were walking at this point, you know, maybe you know, there's silence. It's like a silence, you know, they're walking together. I mean, Naomi's not really happy at all with Ruth, but, you know, they're going alone. And, but really, when you step back and you look at 19, it's a beautiful picture. It's a beautiful picture of two going together. It's just, just Naomi and Ruth. And, and this is the way the rest of their lives going to be. It's, Naomi is beautiful. For Naomi, it's a homecoming. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it's 10 years or so since she's been away and since Naomi's left Bethlehem. And she's coming home but not exactly for Ruth. For Ruth, she's never been to Bethlehem. We can just imagine the excitement in, in Ruth's heart as, as they approach Bethlehem, and, and she's asking all these questions because she, this is now her people. She is now a part of the people of God, and, and, and she's about to meet the people of God. She'd never known the people of God except for Naomi. Now, present precious picture there. Of, of a new Christian, of a new believer, of a believer who has just been saved, and he doesn't know other Christians except for maybe the person who led him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now it's the time for him to bring him to church, meet the people of God. And we see at the end of verse 19 how the people of God can be a little rude. <laughs> when they say, is this Naomi? And sometimes the people of God at church don't act like the people of God. <laughs> so, and Ruth, welcome to the people of God. They can be, she says, they can be a little rough around the edges, but they're still the people of God. You know? and, and, and so it, it's a good thing that you became a, uh, it's a good thing, Ruth. They know me talking to Ruth. It's a good thing, Ruth. You became a part of the people of God because of the God part and not because of the people part. Because <laughs> sometimes the people part are a little hard to take. But anyway, now, so. We see now what happened when Naomi arrives in Bethlehem. So they two went until they came to Bethlehem, and it came to pass, come to Bethlehem. All the city was moved about them, and they said, is this Naomi? See, when it says they went went until they came to Bethlehem, all the moving of the city, that we can see the, the headlines of the newspapers in Bethlehem. Gone for 10 years, Naomi returns home alone, or, or maybe 
with her Moabitess. So evidently, Naomi was very well known in Bethlehem. I mean, how big was it anyway? And, and they were a very prominent and promising family. It must have been a shock when the family left, the family of four left from Moab originally, and, and probably there's been no news. Whatever happened to Elimelech and Naomi and the sons and so forth, whatever happens to them in Bethlehem, well, here she comes. All of a sudden, one day she comes, and she must have looked like a sight. And, and, the, and, and of course, the women of Bethlehem, they're so tactful when they greet her, you know, just like a little kid that sees a mole on a face and says, you, he says, you know, what's that black thing on your face? Get a tissue and wipe it off. You know, <laughs> were you born that way? Or, you know, <laughs> why, don't you, why, why doesn't somebody fix it? You know, <laughs> and there's people rushing out. They come rushing out to Naomi and with their, is this Naomi? You know, it must have made her feel really good, you know. <laughs> Naomi, are you really Naomi? You look so terrible. What happened to you? You know, and so, you know, verse 20, she responds in like manner. She says, you know, she says, uh, she responds back. She says, now, Naomi means pleasantness, and Mara means bitterness. So Naomi says to the group, don't call me that anymore. Don't call me Naomi. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. So here we see Naomi acknowledging that she has been reduced. She's been reduced. She didn't look good physically. She'd been reduced to poverty. And she probably has had to sell everything that she had just to come back home. She had to sell everything. It reminds me of my, uh, my friend Tomeskin from Ethiopia. And he lived in an animistic village not far from Budajira. And first he was living there. And all of his siblings died, except for his sister Kibu. And then his father died. And all, they had, all he had left was his mother and his sister. And they had one goat. And then, and then, then Temeskin, an evangelist, came to their village one night, and a neighbor lady was saved, and the neighbor lady was dying, a lot of death, and that lady did something that Ethiopian women never do. She cried out as she's dying. Ethiopian women don't cry out. I've been to the general hospital there, seen women dying in childbirth, it happens, and they won't make a sound. They'll just die quietly. But this lady cries out, and she cries out the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to save her, and he did, and she was healed. And that so impressed the Temeskin and the family and the mother and the sister that when the evangelist lady came back to their village, they all called on the name of the Lord, and they were saved. And then Temeskin got osteosarcoma in his right leg, and it started swelling up, and some brilliant people came along and said that he needed to go to a hospital in Addis, and they didn't have any money to, for the bus fare, so they sold their one possession, the goat, and they bought the ticket. And, the, and, and, and then the, he got there, and they cut his leg off. And the family wondered what was going to happen to them. How was gonna, God going to take care of them? And, and, well, that's when he met my attorney, Mary Louise Cohen, who adopted him, and Mary Louise Cohen owns more than one goat. And so <laughs> she took him to Washington, D.C. and for treatment and bought a house for the mother and Kibu and so forth. But the point I'm trying to make from this is probably, like Temeskin's family, Naomi had sold all that she had in order to make the trip back to Bethlehem. She had nothing. And so when she arrives, the city of Bethlehem is moved, and, and, and the word moved there means it's in, it's in an uproar. And the whole city is asking, what happened to Naomi? How did she get reduced to this poverty? And then she replies, don't call me that anymore. Now, Naomi acknowledges here when she says that. She says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And so the Almighty, and she says, the Almighty has chastened me. My, I had a, my sin was I left the people of God, and I tried to blend in with the Moabites. 
And what's interesting in her response here is that she has chosen one word for God and she holds on to this word and she says, you know, I'm not going to call him Adonai. I'm not going to call him Elohim. I'm not going to call him El. I'm going to call him Almighty, the Almighty. And he uses that, she knows she uses that word in verse 20 and verse 21. And she's thinking about what happened in verse 20. She says, the Almighty hath dealt very bitterly with me. And then she says in verse, and then she says, the Almighty that dealt very bitterly with me. And so she calls God the Almighty. The Almighty had testified against me. So she's, when she's thinking about God, and who did this to her, she says, he's the Almighty. Now the word she used, and the word for Almighty, is the word Shaddai. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.